0: Why is narcissism overdiagnosed in recovery?
1: Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. Tyler um we'll we'll get into that one but before we do I have a review that I I really want to share so <laughs> okay. it's it's a it's a long one um so just be patient here it says inspired guidance um and it's a five star review and it says Tyler and Brandon are exceptionally gifted therapists who speak truth and do it in a way that will illuminate your heart soul and mind if you're reading this review or looking at this podcast chances are You really need this in your life. If you've been affected by sexual addiction, this may be an answer to your prayers. There are so many priceless gems throughout these episodes. I've listened to most of their episodes and I also attend one of Tyler's groups and he's consistently on his A game. He's genuine, honest, and open about his past. He practices what he preaches and knows how to help others. Without any reservation, I can say he is the best therapist there is. Brandon is a close second. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> um, I'll I'll leave it there. Um, yeah, you, you wanted to do that just to make my head big, or what? <laughs> well, you know, we always joke. T- Tyler always. Uh, so I am Tyler's what 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 I call his compadre, which means you know I'm I'm second fiddle, um to to this master here that's, that I, that graces my presence, which I'm grateful for, So... I, I always consider um, myself the understudy
0: to my little brother. Like, whatever. It, it takes a ton of humility hey, to have to be the understudy to hey, your little brother. There's
1: there's proof right there. I just read it. <laughs> <That's> my, <laughs> that is that is not a true statement. That's,
0: that's why you wanted yeah. to read it.
1: Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> I, I go to these, I, I think I mentioned this before. I go to these retreats and things and Tyler's clients show up and just, uh, I don't know what you do, man. Whatever, they, man. they just worship the ground you walk on. No, they don't. <laughs> and, well, actually I do because I know you're the man. So whatever. Um, man I gotta say that review was really nice and um and and awesome and I really appreciate that person sharing it we do
0: appreciate the reviews actually I really do appreciate that and Brandon I know that you did that just to kind of toot my horn for a minute but but the truth is is that we get a lot of feedback on you and, and I've already got a poll going from all of our past retreat attendees and right now about a two to one clip when I ask who's the favorite brother, you're the one who's oh, whatever, so,
1: whatever, yeah. yeah. So that's but, not but, true, but anyway, we do appreciate your reviews, so thank you, and thanks for sharing, Brandon. Yeah, one more thing before we dive into this topic um, we want some guests, so please um, go over to realtalkrecovery.com and we love talking to couples, we love talking to individuals. There's no topic that's too weird or too complex or too hard to talk about. Um, if you just need a little bit of help or want to bounce it off of two therapists that have pretty much seen it all, um, RealtalkRecovery.com. Yeah, we were we were booked out for almost three months for quite a while. And then we kind of
0: tapered it down. So now there are I think some we openings. scared
1: some people off, Tyler. Yeah, maybe. Maybe know. we've
0: done that too. A little yeah. bit, but uh, there are some, there are some openings in the near future within the next couple of weeks that are open here. So realtalkrecovery.com hit submit a question or ask a question. And then you can either submit one via writing, which we hardly ever get to, or you can sign up to become a caller on the show and you can come on. You can always come with a different name or an alias if you want to, but we'd love to have your questions. You,
1: you callers are the ones that make the show as amazing as it is. So absolutely. Yeah. All right, Tyler. So I want to ask you, um, you kind of brought this topic up and this topic of over-diagnosing narcissism, which is an interesting thing to talk about. Um, why Why? Why are you bringing up this topic?
0: You know, I was kind of thinking about this. It's actually, there's a roundabout way to get to this topic. And it came from a different diagnosis issue that I think is a problem where I was listening to some things on the struggle with like boys in America and talking about The education system and what happens in the education system with our, with our boys, especially, but with kids in general, and how for a long period of time, there's been several years where ADD or ADHD has been basically the diagnosis du jour for any kid that shows any type of energy at school. Right. So (laughs) so the
1: wild, the wild at heart kid running around. Yeah. The the kid, the things things
0: we teach for a healthy masculinity, you know, masculine recovery, pretty much every kid that's in school that would apply those principles would be diagnosed with ADD. We're not saying that ADD is not a real thing or anything like that, but what you're saying is it's, Overdiagnosed. I think, I think that it actually does people who have a real ADD or ADHD, a disservice because it's been so highly overdiagnosed that it's almost become like, you're right. You know, cheap. And, and, and I think what happens, so I was thinking about that and just thinking about what happens in schools with kids and things and and whether or not that's a benefit or, or a hindrance for a lot of people. And there's a, there's a diagnosis that we get in recovery all the time that people come through the door all the time with, and they're like, Hey, I've been doing a lot of research and I've diagnosed my, my, usually it's my husband. I diagnosed my husband with narcissism. So that's the issue. He's a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or
1: or they've been to a therapist who has diagnosed the partner. as Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I wanted to maybe just kind of have a discussion back and forth with you today, Brandon, about like, what's the benefit of giving that diagnosis? Is it legitimate? And and in my opinion i believe that it's actually overly diagnosed to the detriment of recovery compared right. to compared to like other diagnoses that would be i think more pertinent or more helpful
1: yeah but okay tyler i do want to say this maybe before we dive in um if you can um self diagnose or get a diagnosis from a professional that your your partner is narcissistic um it can be really validating to your pain. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, it, it gives some language to it, right? It gives some language. It's also like, oh, that's why I'm in so much pain. That's why I'm so miserable. That's why I feel so disconnected because, I, and why I feel so manipulated because my partner freaking sucks. Like they suck and it's, and they're not built to be in healthy relationships. And, and you know what? This isn't a me problem. This is a them problem. And, um, and so and, and when you're in a, a a sucky relationship, Tyler, it does feel good to get some answers for um, sure, you know, and it feels good to kind of put it on that and say, look, there's there's no hope here. There's no hope here for like trying to make this better. So I need to own the fact that he's an he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist or whatever. Yes. and and now I have reason to kind of work my way out of this relationship,
0: yeah, you're right. And uh, you know, I, I have a client who, You know she always says this and it really helps her in her own recovery that with whatever's coming up whether she's doing emdr trauma work or other things even this topic if you can name it you can tame it so name it to tame it so to speak and so there is something about having that and going oh okay all these criteria fit it makes sense i'm no longer crazy there's some actual diagnosis here and it it can be really helpful, right? That's one of the blessings of any type of a diagnosis. Why you go anywhere and you get this diagnosis is like, theoretically, the benefit of the diagnosis I got an is, answer. It makes sense what's happening for me. I've got an answer. Now, what do I want to do with it? Because I have an answer, right? Right. And and so I think that that, that part of it, we don't necessarily want to steer away from. I just think we need to be careful because there's there's a lot of other things that are going on when you're dealing with an addiction that sure look a lot like narcissism. And if you diagnose as narcissism, it's actually, in my opinion, oftentimes becomes more hopeless than other diagnoses that would also be fitting, but that that could
1: that offer actually more hope. Well, so let me just kind of explain what you're saying, Tyler. Um, it, it, you know, in the DSM or the Diagnostic Criteria Manual um, that we use for mental health disorders um there's different axes meaning there's different categories that mental disorders fall under and um there's there's you know that the, the axis 1 there's the mood disorders um you take something like an addiction an addiction although it's difficult to get into recovery and to get better you absolutely can mm-hmm. um you can get into recovery Um, access to disorders or personality disorders like borderline or narcissism. And those personality disorders are much more difficult to get into recovery. You can learn how to manage the symptoms. You can learn how to be aware of them. um, But it can feel pretty hopeless if you have an access to disorder. And so what, what I hear you saying, Tyler, is you know, the prognosis for addiction is different than the prognosis for narcissism. And when we label it as narcissism, although they look very similar, uh, someone struggling with an addiction has a lot of traits of a narcissist. And sometimes they are actually a narcissist who has an addiction. Yes. Um, um, But the prognosis is very different when you're treating addiction versus treating narcissism, right?
0: That's what I'm getting at exactly is, you know, and, and I'll say this, I'll say this, that I'm already, I, I need to express my own biases. I I tend to look for the least invasive diagnosis that I can give to somebody when I'm diagnosing because I don't like the idea of labels. And so, so with that bias that's already there, like our listeners need to know that that's my bias coming into this. I tend to look for the most hopeful diagnosis
1: that I can possibly give that meets the criteria. But Tyler, I, I want to kind of push back on you on this a little bit. And d- doesn't that set up a partner who's married to a, a narcissist? Doesn't that set them up for some danger? Like if they come into you for therapy, and you're like, "No, nope, I'm not going to label them as a narcissist. Right? I'm I'm, I'm going to make sure they're just, and you know, struggling with an addiction or something else. Doesn't that take the the kind of their feet out from under them a little bit if yeah, they no, are in a marriage with a narcissist? That
0: is, that's a valid, that's a valid concern, Brandon. And I'm not saying I wouldn't diagnose somebody as a narcissist, but I would want, I'd be looking for some specific kinds of things.
1: You would be careful
0: inside of how things are being demonstrated that would indicate narcissism over some of these other things. Okay. Right? So we'll, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll I'm curious. Through. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go through some of the criteria here and I'll kind of explain maybe what some of the things that I'm, that I'm talking about, but I also just want our listeners to know that that's kind of how I operate. So, yeah. So they can take what I'm saying with a grain of salt too. You
1: you know, one thing too, Tyler, side note, it's okay to decide to divorce somebody who's struggling with an addiction, who's refusing to get into recovery. Yeah. Um, It, it, you don't like, I guess what I'm saying is you don't need the reason of hopelessness and narcissism to say, okay, now I have it. Now I have a ticket out. Um, If yeah. they're breaking your boundaries and they're doing it long-term and they're refusing to get into recovery. And they don't want what, to work recovery. It's Whether the same. we call it narcissism or addiction or whatever it is, you need to, you need to set your boundaries yeah. and have your boundaries. And we talk about this all the time with our guests, Tyler, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so we in no way are saying, well, if if they're not diagnosed as a narcissist, then you should stay in your marriage and you should like stick it out because they could get better. Right. We're not saying anything like that.
0: No, no, of course not. I think we, and I think both you and I would always say to every one of our clients, Mm -hmm. regardless of what's going on in your life, you need to live first and foremost in congruence with your own values and set boundaries accordingly. And it doesn't really matter what the diagnosis is. Those boundaries should still be in place. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. So, so let's just talk a little bit about this because I think it's really easy to see why these words get interchanged when you're dealing with like any type of an addiction, especially like a sexual addiction. Okay. Yes. So there's, there's a few things that you would call like sort of like core features of narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. The first one is grandiosity. Uh, the a person who's narcissistic personality disorder has an exaggerated sense of their own self-importance. They feel superior to others and that no one deserves any special treatment other than them. Yeah. 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 Um, and then they, they also also oftentimes inside this grandiosity, they have fantasies of unlimited success or brilliance or power. Power is a big theme with narcissists or, or things like that. Yeah. Um, So that's the first one. Second. And and Tyler,
1: I just want to say the feeling from from the partner's point of view is like, man, they are kind of a prideful jerk who can't connect to me. Like they're they they're more connected to themselves. Yeah. And and very egocentric. Yeah. And can't connect to me because they're grandiose feelings of who themselves. Right. Yeah. You, That's uh, kind of how it feels.
0: Was it you, Brandon, that was telling me the story about one of their clients that maybe it was a different person I was talking to that their client came in and how it was like true kind of pure narcissist. And inside the appointments at the end of every appointment, the this client would say, you're so lucky to have me as a client so I can kind <laughs> of educate you about this stuff. And and then after, and after they finished treatment... They wrote a letter of recommendation for the therapist and said, you're going to probably want to give this to future clients that'll, <laughs> you know, like that's, a, that's that like sense of like grandiosity, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, 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 oh, special, thank you. Like, it's a gift that you get to come and like do therapy <laughs> with me. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so- So, so like, that's the grandiosity, Uh, the second, the second level. And we're going to go through, we're going to go through actually quickly. I'll try to go quickly, but we're going to go through eight of these. Okay. Um, the second one is excessive need for admiration. They Mm -hmm. have to be the center of attention Mm -hmm. and they often take over conversations and anytime they get ignored, they feel slighted or mistreated.
1: Yeah. And Tyler, I I wouldn't say that's just verbal, it's energetic. So they can be in a room quiet, but they know that like people are focused on what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what's going on inside of them. And if they, if that's not happening, then they'll try to insert and take over. That's right.
0: Number three is they have superficial and exploitive relationships, meaning that oftentimes with the narcissist, people are the means to the end rather than the relationships themselves. Yep. So they're, they're valued in the sense of what can you give to me rather than, or how can I use you rather than I'd
1: like a relationship with you. Um, Tyler, this, 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 one is, is one of the most pervasive, I think that we see, you know, there's narcissistic parents who use their children for their own validation. Um, there's narcissistic partners who won't divorce or, you know, because they're like, I'm using you to look good. I'm using you to yeah. look like I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm doing all these things. So um, you are there for my image. That's what you're there for. And, and so I use you for that. And you can imagine whether you're th- their child or their partner or whatever, how that feels. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: the fourth category is a lack of empathy, which I think a lot of people that we work with in recovery really feel that like this one, this is one that's like very common. Like, yeah, like that's what I feel all the time. There's, they're very limited in the ability to care about the emotional needs of other people. Um,
1: and that's one, Tyler, that really like emulates addiction. Like that. Yeah. that's why someone struggling with an addiction gets called a narcissist a lot yeah. because they suck at empathy.
0: You You can even, yeah. I mean, we'll go back down the list here, yeah. but, but everything I, I mentioned so contrast. far already kind of looks like, can can look like an addiction, Right, right. Um, and we'll talk
1: about why too,
0: Tyler, because we know why the next one is identity disturbance. Uh, their sense of self is very superficial, extremely rigid and often fragile, even though it doesn't look like it on the outside. Um, self-stability depends on maintaining the view that they're exceptional and they have (laughs) to have this grandiose sense of self that's easily threatened and they deny realities that challenge any of their grandiosity. Um, the sixth one is difficulty with attachment, obviously, and dependency. they rely on feedback from the environment, they only stay in relationships that make them feel grandiose, and keep their positive self image, their interactions are superficial, and they often uh, actually avoid real intimacy, mm-hmm. um, chronic feelings of emptiness and boredom, they feel empty, bored and depressed when they're not being paid attention to. And then the last one is is that they have a real difficulty with life transitions, meaning um, they they feel life feels unbearable when change happens that they don't get to be in control of, and yeah, they want to be in control. So, so yeah. So if we were to go back down that list, it's, it becomes very simple to go, wow, like. In fact, it almost looks like it fits perfectly for what you might consider someone who's stuck in an addiction, because what does an addiction do?
1: Well, it's an attachment disorder. It disconnects.
0: Okay. So there's the attachment Uh, part. It it causes disconnection. It also causes self-centeredness. It also contributes to something called alexithymia, which actually robs you of the ability to feel and express emotions
1: and takes you out of the ability to be empathetic. And so, so it, it, it also causes shame, which then makes it so that you can't be vulnerable. So you're always defended and, and that's the attachment. The shame, the shame screens too. And yeah, and that can also screens. come across
0: as that like need for admiration or that grandiosity sometimes when the shame screens are coming up. Right.
1: Yep. Yep. So, yeah. But, but Tyler, I think that it, it well, I, a little, a little story, like when I got into treating addiction, I remember my first couple of days working at this clinic where I was treating substance abuse. And one of the therapists kind of smiled and said, "Like, "Do you really know what you're getting yourself into?" Um, and I thought, "Well, what does he mean?" You know, and then I started sitting in on some groups, started taking some clients who are really deeply into addiction, and i really I realized what he meant. And I mean, what did he mean, Tyler?
0: As far as like dealing with the people with addictions? Yeah. Like day in and day out. The grind. Yeah. Why is it such a grind? Because there's because there's so much lack of insight. There's, you know, early on in recovery, because you're dealing with those different stages of change where some people are what you might call pre meaning they yep. don't even know they got a problem yet. Yep, denial and uh, And so you have to work through the layers of denial. yeah, you, ha- you have to work through the layers of selfishness. and then you have to work into places of trying to get motivation to shift from an outside place to an inside place. And yeah, and we know that with like dealing with addictions, it takes a lot of concerted efforts for most people before they finally gain real traction
1: in yeah, their in yeah. their work. My supervisor said, like, hey, one of the first things you can learn here is don't believe anything you hear. Like just don't believe it." <laughs> and I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but like, and, and what she's saying is like, someone with an addiction is going to lie to you again and again and again. Um, they're going to be in denial. They're going to disconnect. They're going to manipulate. All of these things are happening because of all of these tools, all of these manipulations um, are a means to an end. And that end is I can I can keep my addiction self-preservation yeah, and and preserve myself, but I can also try to keep my life too. I can try to keep my family, my job, my whatever it is. So what I need to do is live in this state of constant disconnection and constant manipulation, um, which feels horrible in a relationship. Um, and so coming back to the narcissistic characteristics that you talked about, Tyler, um, there is a difference between why somebody with an addiction does what they do and why somebody with narcissism does what they do. Right. Right. Exactly. And and even though, even though there's definitely
0: some parallels and some commonalities, right. Right. Um, And this is maybe something that I just, I wanted to to kind of speak to because it's so hard, even, even as we're talking about it, I want to explore it with you because I even have a hard time finding the language for it sometimes, but Uh, You know, when I get a partner say who comes to me and says, Hey, my partner is a narcissist and they want me to, they want me to confirm it. I'll go down the list of all of these different criteria and I'll, I'll kind of give you the real criteria if I'm, if we're diagnosing it, how is it diagnosed? You need, you need five of the nine traits to be diagnosed. A grandiose sense of self preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance or beauty. The belief that you are special and unique and can only be understood or associate with other special people, require excessive admiration, has a sense of entitlement, is interpersonally exploitive, taking advantage of others, lacks empathy, envies others or believes others are envious of them all the time, and then shows arrogant, haughty behaviors and attitudes. Mm -hmm. Technically speaking, we could find a lot of people that I would consider struggling with an addiction would also meet this specific diagnosis. But when Mm -hmm. I have a partner come into my office where I kind of maybe draw a distinguishment is when I'm dealing with someone who I would consider like classic narcissist, they, the one that stands out to me a lot is, is that they really almost don't even have a capability to feel remorse, sadness, regret or or to express that. Right. And when when I have a partner come in and say my my partner's a narcissist and then I'm sitting there thinking well my last one on one with this person i they were on my couch sobbing because they feel so terrible about the remorseful. things they've done.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, they're remorseful. They're sad about it. They're 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 working towards trying to show this this like skill of empathy and I see a real effort towards that. I have a hard time going, yep, let's diagnose him as a narcissistic personality type because I see the work trying to happen and I actually see deeper down that emotion that's coming through, even though it's not really coming through to the
1: partner yet because they don't, they haven't learned how to be vulnerable enough yet. Right, right, right. So, right. so they're, they're struggling with that attachment issue. Um, but you're not, but it's feeling like narcissism to the partner. For sure. It looks and feels that so way. much disconnection. Yes. Um, But that you're absolutely right. That, that remorse, that self-reflection that's going on, a narcissist would not do.
0: I think that, um, that's another one, Brandon, self-reflection. So yep. there's, there's a willingness to try to gain awareness. There's self-reflection and there is sadness and remorse that's demonstrated at least inside the therapy office with me that right. I'm going, okay, like I, I feel like I'm dealing with something a little bit different than narcissism here, even though it looks a lot the same.
1: I, I think what you're kind of uncovering here is that a narcissist almost like does not have the ability like to do those things. Like it's out of the realm. Um, whereas somebody struggling with an addiction or let's just say a lot of shame um, is good at um, pushing people out in a way when they need to. With the shame um, screens. With the shame screens. But their heart can still connect to themselves and and the, and the pain of others. Um It's interesting, Tyler, I, a while back and tell me what you think about this. I did an intake and this guy was saying like how remorseful he was, how sorry he was for the things he'd done with his addiction and how, um, and, and, and he, he felt really genuine about it. He, he, he laid out specific things that he'd done in his marriage that were not okay. Um, and and then he 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 proceeded to tell me that I am a narcissist. I'm I'm a narcissist, and I've been diagnosed with that. And I need to work on my narcissism and blah blah blah. So he goes on and on, and so I say, I I really don't. I would not diagnose you with narcissism. And a few months, about a year later, I got an email from him, and he said, "You did me a bunch of damage because I told you I was a narcissist, and you told me that I wasn't." And I absolutely am, you know, I I continue to hurt my wife. And although he, he makes his phone calls in his groups, he's, he's, you know, he, he's got some confidence, maybe some arrogance even going on, but he can self-reflect and see how he's hurting people. And, and it's, what's interesting about this, Tyler, is I read his email and I thought this email in and of itself is proof that you're not a narcissist. You right. trying to diagnose yourself so badly with narcissism is something a narcissist would probably never do. Do you <laughs> see what I'm saying? Unless
0: that's how they find their grandiosity.
1: Yeah, unless he's trying to you yeah, like show like but but like with like deep like he's trying to take accountability is what it felt like for something and so he had to use this I'm a narcissist to take that accountability. That's not something a narcissist would do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. And that's, and that's where, that's where I think for you
0: and I, as a therapist, it becomes a little bit more nuanced where you're trying to tease between the lines, you know, and again, maybe it's what you said earlier, that it doesn't matter if you're diagnosed with this addiction or lexithymia or, or narcissism, as long as it's the diagnosis is used towards improving. Um, I just, I just see it. It, it seems like for most people, the label that gets attached to that, to the bigger diagnosis of narcissism seems to not be as helpful as saying, yeah, you've got these tendencies for sure. You are selfish, you're self-centered, you've got shame screens coming up. Let's go to work on your shame. Let's go to work right. on your emotion regulation. Let's go to work on your empathy skills. Let's go to work. Let's go to work on all that stuff. And you can be in recovery. And you can you can heal some of those things. Whereas if you're dealing with someone with true narcissism, maybe, maybe what we're getting at is, is that it feels more like you're starting way, way up the chain into pre-contemplation with a client where they don't even know, like it's gonna be
1: so much work just to get them to even admit. When, when Tyler says pre-contemplation, what he's saying is somebody who isn't even, isn't even acknowledging that there is a problem
0: yeah like you come into the office and 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 the outside world you're like yeah nobody likes to be around you you have a hard time keeping a job you got like there's all this stuff and their and their response back is yeah it's not fair i don't know why they do this like yeah well they don't they don't don't see how amazing i am like this is you know it's it's all about what the world is doing to them rather than what they're manifesting in their world and then as a therapist you have to start at further back going dang, we got to try to help them gain some insight. And for someone with narcissistic personality disorder, that's a a long, hard road to help them gain that kind of insight. Whereas someone who's struggling with an addiction, once you build trust with them and they start to show you their vulnerability a little bit and come through their shame a little bit, they start to show that insight and go, yeah, I've made some seriously bad decisions and I've hurt lots of people. I can't even tell some of those people yet that because I'm scared of what might happen, but I know I did it right. and And to me, when I hear that and I feel that tone, I feel like I'm dealing with something a little bit different than narcissistic personality disorder,
1: yeah, yeah, I you know, Tyler, I have one of my clients, honestly, one of my favorite clients ever. He was in groups with me for years and and all of his group members would describe him as like one of the most humble, just hardworking, self-reflective dude's ever like just just amazing and he he got put with one of the therapists here and the th- the therapist had met with his wife first and immediately diagnosed him with narcissism like he he's a narcissist and and it's interesting and that that therapist has since been let go by the way um but it's interesting what happened because to to him it kind of was like well now I'm condemned to this Like, this is like, I don't know what to do now from here, but also to her, it was quite hopeless because it was like, well, that's why I'm so miserable because like, he's just a total jackass that I can't do anything about this. Like it's, you know, and to me, I was, I was frustrated with the therapist because the therapist was absolutely missing the diagnosis a hundred percent. And how damaging it was to throw that diagnosis out there when that's not what it was. It, it hurt him. It hurt her. It hurt their relationship. And I don't I don't know where that therapist was coming from with that diagnosis other than he heard the the spouse's pain. And and so he took that spouse's pain as this guy's a total jerk. So therefore he's a narcissist.
0: Right. Or you could go back through that criteria through the, the, the pain that that therapist is hearing and and without ever having met the, the person yeah go, you could say well see and well, he's doing and that this and he's and doing this, this, and that. And this and this yeah I, that, I get that it does line up to look pretty narcissistic right? right so you can't I mean you can't totally fault the therapist for whatever information because of what he's
1: hearing from the spouse right right, right.
0: like and that's, and that's
1: what but I think that's what you're saying Tyler is as therapists and as partners, I think we need to pump the brakes just a little bit. Like pump the brakes. Everybody acts those ways sometime. Everybody's unempathetic or grandiose or self-serving or like we we all do those things to some degree sometime. Just because we do them once or, you know, we've done all of them doesn't mean that we have a personality disorder. (laughs) Right? Right. Right. My wife might say I am. She says
0: I'm arrogant sometimes. So maybe I'm narcissistic. A well, little bit I shouldn't too. have read that review today. Yeah, man, I know. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You, do you, you were just repeating what I already knew to be true. Yeah, <laughs> you're a narcissist. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, so, but, but I think that that's, you know, you you bring up a good point there, Brandon. And and I appreciate you sharing the story. And I know that this topic that we're talking about here, I know we're getting a little short on time. This topic that we're talking about here definitely has it's going to it's going to stir up some questions and some feelings with, with all of our listeners here. And uh, we we would welcome any of you to to follow up with some feedback or some comments or some questions or even be callers on the show. If if uh, this is something that is striking a nerve, I, I wanted to bring this up, and I, I want to just distinguish this because I feel like we can do better work when we focus sometimes less on the labels and more on the principles. Now the labels are important sometimes, and yes, we do have you know. I have worked with classic narcissists before, and and you and I both could go and pick out a few of our favorites and tell some stories right now. Probably,
1: well, and Tyler, some, somebody in a relationship with them is in an abusive relationship.
0: Yes, right? yeah, oh yeah. If you're if you're in a relationship with a classic narcissist, there's no doubt that you're being abused because one of the one of the trademarks is is that the relationship is coercive. Yeah. Right. So, and, and there's a lack of empathy and understanding because it's all, days. it's all one way. Everything yeah. is one way. Yeah. So, yeah. And you, know, and you should, and you should take steps to, to take care of yourself accordingly through getting structure, support, healthy boundaries, continued education, all of that stuff.
1: You know, Tyler, we don't claim to be experts on narcissism yet. We, we deal with it all the time. And yeah. I, th- I think, I think, and I don't know the numbers on this, but I think most narcissists probably struggle with addiction to a degree. And so there's have, a higher like,
0: prevalence of suicidality in a narcissist as well, which is yeah. interesting with such a grandiose
1: sense of self. Yeah. So we have a lot of that dual diagnosis coming through our doors. And, and, you know, when you're dealing with both, then it, you know, like, how can you distinguish it? You can't really, it just, and, and so I, I want to refer um people over to a resource. It's called, uh, it's a podcast called Waking Up to Narcissism and it's by my good friend Tony Overbay. Um and he is an expert on narcissism and as you listen to him maybe you can better understand what narcissism is. And I would say if you're educating yourself about this because you're trying to figure out whether you're in a relationship with a narcissist before you already think that you are, like I, I, you know, don't don't do confirmation bias with this. But actually educate yourself. Actually evaluate this. And if you are in a relationship with a narcissist, then you absolutely need help. Um, you need yes. support. You need to know how to navigate that. Um,
0: I'd say, Brandon, just to add to that. And if you are in a relationship where you're even questioning that, you probably still need support and help.
1: If yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. And, and you know, if if someone sat down with me or you, Tyler, we could help them evaluate and flush this out. And and and, and you know what, your recovery is actually very similar. What if you're with an uh, someone struggling with an addiction who's just raging in their addiction or a narcissist because they're showing up with a lot of the same symptoms? So, yes. your recovery with your own healthy boundaries, your support system, your own trauma work, your own all of that stuff is the same in order to navigate a relationship with a difficult person. That's right. So,
0: all right. Well, we stirred it up a little bit today, Brandon. That's yeah, good discussion, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, well if you for those of you listening again if you have questions or thoughts, please feel free to give us feedback, come on the show, whatever you want. Hopefully this is helpful. Yeah, give Tyler feedback you know, because <laughs> this was his episode. So hey, hey. I, I <laughs> send it to Brand, send it to Brand. No, we we love to we love to have these kinds of conversations yeah, and I'm there's a reason kidding. there's a reason why we're doing the episode. So um Absolutely. So thank you for being here. Hopefully this is helpful. We appreciate you being here and supporting our show. Yep. see you guys.